Well, just welcome again uh, to RUF and to our Wednesday night fellowship. Uh, this is something we do every week uh, from 6.30 to 8, uh, fellowship and worship together. And this semester we are looking um, at, uh, well, we're asking and we're answering this question, what are the basics or the essentials of the Christian faith? Like, is there a set of teachings or beliefs that all Christians all across the ages uh, can agree upon? Or to put it another way, what do I need to believe in order to be or to become a Christian? And the answer that I've put forward to you is the Apostles' Creed. Uh, It was put on paper in the second century. And really ever since then it has served as a a map and compass of sorts. The Christians have used to help navigate the scriptures and sort of orient themselves theologically to make sure they're on the right track, not going off course. Tonight we're going to look at this line, I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and look at Psalm 103, which really supports that claim, right? Supports that belief. Uh, there's one of, it's just one of many uh, scriptures that we could go to. But before we do that, uh, I want to start by showing you a film uh, that I saw at the Banff Mountain Film Festival on Thursday or Friday night. I think it was Friday night. Um, and so... We'll talk about it a little bit too, but here, I want you all to watch this. Why am I showing you this movie? <laughs> um, well, for starters, it's awesome, but that's not a good enough reason to play it here like on Wednesday nights. The second and I think more important reason why I'm showing you this is because it reminds me of lo- a lot uh, of what worship uh, is and is like. You know, I've, there's a lot to like in that film. Uh, I've watched it probably a dozen times at this point. But my favorite scene, if you don't mind just pulling that back up, um, that I go to uh, again and again and again, is the 28 second. Can you just go to 28? Yeah, here. This moment. Pause it right there. At that point in time, I mean, this skier, his name's Sam, he does all kinds of crazy things. But it's in that moment where he stands sort of on the, on, on the edge and he is peering into these mountains. They loom large, right? They are bigger than him. And he has this moment sort of of truth as he stands there uh, and is contemplating whether or not to commit, right? And as he's sort of like, opens up his arms and brings them together again. He sort of takes in these breaths, uh, takes in these, uh, these breaths. He's psyching himself up, or he's preaching some words to himself, perhaps. He's trying to get uh, in the right frame of mind. And once he's done all of that, then he's ready to go, right? Then he's ready to do all those cool things, right, that we saw. Well, I know that the Interfaith Center is not um, Mount Blanc, right, and the French Alps. But when we gather here for worship, like we are doing tonight, we are coming before a God who looms larger and is far greater than any mountain you will ever see or ski. An invitation is given to you to, to dive in, right, to dive in and to take flight, take flight. Uh, But like uh, the skier in this film, where do you find the courage and the conviction to do that? To enter into God's presence and to worship him. That's really what Psalm 103 uh, is all about. 
David, King David, who wrote this psalm, he knows that there is a God. He knows that God uh, ought to be worshipped. But he has got to remind himself why he ought to worship this God. When David says in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We hear him talking to himself, sort of preaching to a cold heart, trying to warm it up, trying to psych himself up uh, into um, the state of mind so that he can dive in and take flight. And as we listen to him preach to his heart, two themes really emerge from this pep talk, sort of two truths that really push him over the edge and into full-blown worship. And those two are... Those two are these, that God is a compassionate Father, and God is an almighty King. And as I read Psalm 103 out loud, I want you to be able to to pay attention to those things, be on the lookout uh, for those two themes. God is a compassionate Father, and He's also an almighty King. Of David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. So bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Father, thanks for gathering us together uh, to hear from you. And I pray uh, you would pour out your spirit, that we might hear what you have to say to us tonight, see what we need to see, um, give us understanding, um, and to know how to apply all that you, you teach, to, uh, teach us tonight. Help us to apply it to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. God is an, he's an almighty king, and God is also a, a compassionate father. Often we think of God as either one or the other. 
One without the other leads to all kinds of errors and spiritual uh, dysfunction. Right, we need to hold both of these things together in balance. If you like, like two skis. It's hard to worship on just the one, right? But when we put those two together, well, we can pretty much fly. Right? Tonight, I want to start off with ski number one, right? God, is, he's an almighty king. He's maker uh, of heaven and earth. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Psalm 103 is David preaching to his, to his heart. He's convincing himself why he ought to dive in and worship God. And reason number one, ski number one, is that God is an almighty king. Look at verse 19. It says there, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, uh, and his kingdom rules over all. The God that we worship, the God that Christians worship, is the one who spoke the universe into existence. When you and I, we stare into the night sky, what we are looking at is a small section of the Milky Way galaxy. Y'all, there are over 100 billion galaxies in the universe, and and each galaxy contains over 100 billion stars. That's 100 billion times 100 billion for how many suns there are in the universe. God made each and every one. In the Amazon rainforest, scientists discovered over 700 types of beetle on just one tree. Right? It's estimated that there are over 350,000 types of beetles uh, worldwide, and God made each and every single one. The mountain that is filmed uh, here in this movie is Mount Blanc. It rises 4,800 meters into the sky. That's almost 16,000 feet. And is part of a mountain range with thousands of other peaks just like it. And God made each and every one. There are currently 7.5 billion human beings alive on planet Earth today. That's 7.5 billion men and women like you with thoughts Feelings, dreams, desires, hopes, and hunger. Seven and a half billion. And God made each and every one. God made them all. God made it all. God is Lord or Master over it all. Well, you might say, surely God didn't make everything. Right? Like, God didn't make my iPhone. And that's fair enough. But who do you think pieced together Steve Jobs in the womb? Like, who do you think made the landmass at the factory in China that is manufacturing these things? Who do you think made the landmass that that factory is resting on? And all the uh, metals and materials that go into the, uh, to the iPhone, the aluminum, the boron, the nickel, the iron, the copper, the gold, the silver, who do you think invented all of those things? It's true, like, we are capable of building and designing stuff, but it's also true that everything we make is derivative. We build with raw materials that God himself built using brains that God himself designed. Simply put, no one can say to God, I don't need you. We exist because he existed before us. Like, apart from God, we are nothing and we can do nothing. 
And this is sort of step number one, sort of ski number one into worship. It's the recognition that I am not my own. I am not the creator, but I'm his creation. I have breath, I have life, because he has given it to me. Right, think back to Sam the skier as he sort of stands there on the edge, sort of, right? Like, with every breath, I took that from God, right? Like, he gave me breath, and then with every exhale, thank you, right? I need God, thank you for that. As for man, his days are like grass, you know, writes David in verse 15. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. In the grand scheme of things, and uh, in light of um, the scope of the universe, 100 billion galaxies, 100 billion stars in each, we are, you and me, a speck on a speck on a speck on a speck. We are like dust. We are here because of him. There is no me without thee. That's one way of putting it. See, in order to worship God, you've got to you've got to kind of start here. Um, you've got to be able to strap on this ski. You've got to get to the point where you realize that there is a God and that he is great and you are small. And if not, odds are you are the biggest and most important thing in your life. And if you are the biggest thing in your life, that means that you think everything revolves around you. But you are just a man. And you are just a woman. Your days are like grass. You are just a speck on a speck. You don't have that kind of weight. You don't have that much pull. You don't have that much gravity. Which means if you think the world revolves around you, it is spiraling out of control. And it's a mess. Also, If you are the biggest thing in your life, your life is boring. What makes this movie Ice Call so awesome and exciting is that the skier is bigger than the, is the skier is not as big as the mountains. What makes that movie exciting is that the mountains are much, much bigger than him. If it was simply him like sliding down my backyard, we would yawn. That movie sucks. If you're the biggest thing in your life, your life is boring. As G.K. Chesterton put it, how much larger your life would be if you could become smaller in it? How much larger, how much greater your life would be if you could just become a little bit smaller in it? See, if you are not wowed by the awesomeness of God, if you are not humbled by the greatness of his being and the smallness, smallness of your own, Say what you will, but you are not worshiping God. You just aren't. And you cannot ski without the ski, but at the same time, you can't ski uh, on this ski alone. 
right? You need balance. You need a pair. You need a, a, a second ski so that you really can worship God and all of his glory and do some of the cool aerials, right, uh, that we were designed to do. God is an almighty king, right? He deserves reverence and awe, but he is at the same time a, a compassionate father, in other words, don't just cower in fear, right? Come in for a hug. And this is ski number two. And you see David stepping into it, right? Pushing down into the bindings, as it were, in verses 8 through 14. I'll read those, okay? The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Y'all, in the Bible, God self-identifies as our father. And he wants us to see ourselves as his children. And God created the universe and he made us in his image so that we could reciprocate his love after the pattern of the son's love for the father. To borrow language from last week, we were created to join the Trinitarian dance. right? To become a part of the family of God. The tragedy is that we have been uh, tricked into thinking that God is not good. That life is better without him. So we all ditch the dance and we run away from home. When we realize just how foolish that is, we mistakenly believe that God will never ever want to take us back. And that, Jesus says, is where you are wrong. He says, you have no idea, you have no idea what the heart of my Father is like for you. You have no idea how deep his love is for you. You are beloved. You don't need to live like an orphan anymore. You are a son or a daughter of the great king in heaven. You are royalty. You see, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he said to start like this. He said, start with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And he didn't say pray to my Father or pray to your Father. He said pray to our Father. Mine as well as yours. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Come to him as his kid. He's Abba. He's Papa. He's Daddy. That is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. It's not a boss-employee kind of relationship. It's not even creator-creature sort of relationship. It is an intimate father-son, father-daughter sort of relationship that he wants to have with you. It saddens me to say this, but I don't have a really great relationship with my dad. 
my biological father. Um, I know that is why for a very long time, whenever I read uh, about or heard uh, someone preach that God loves me like a father, there was just this disconnect. Um, it was kind of like trying to step into a ski whose binding is broken and it's all messed up and it just doesn't click, right? Something happened uh, on August 21st, 2015. Willa, uh, my daughter, was born. I became a dad uh, to just an amazing kid. And as I held her uh, in my arms for the very first time, um, something happened. And I began to see, like, this is what it's like. Like, oh my God, he loves me like this. As I stared into my daughter's eyes. Um, yeah, it changed for me. Now, honestly, I, uh, I still don't fully comprehend how deep the Father's love is for, for me and for us, but I, I am learning. And one thing that I can tell you uh, is that a, um, a parent's love for a child is powerful, and it is remarkably different uh, from the love. Uh, it's remarkably different from the kind of love you have for a spouse. And Megan and I met at a New Year's Eve party uh, in 2009, and we were married uh, in August of 2010. Uh, we met uh, as equals, like and unlike each other. And yeah, ever since we've been married, we've been learning what it means to love another human being, sort of face to face and eye to eye. We met as adults, or at least as 20-somethings. And uh, there has always just been this sense that we are, like I said, two equals, like and unlike each other, getting to know each other in this way. That's how our relationship began, but that's not how our relationship with Willa began. See, Willa entered this world kicking and screaming, right? super vulnerable and needy and helpless, Independent. Willa will grow up, and we as her parents will learn to love her too, face to face and eye to eye as equals. But right now, our relationship is less a meeting of the minds and more us meeting her immediate needs. The beauty of it all is that Willa's helplessness doesn't annoy us but it makes us love her all the more. See, the more I care for Willa, the more I fall in love with her. Making her dinner, putting her clothes on, changing her diapers, giving her a bath, cleaning up her toys in the living room, tucking her into bed, singing over her as she sleeps, holding her when she awakes. All of this is teaching me what it means to be a child of God and also what it means to have a compassionate Father in heaven. By no means am I a perfect man and by no means am I a perfect dad. I'm not a good, good father. 
But nevertheless, I want to be the best dad that I can be for Willow. I want to give her everything that she needs to protect her from harm, to help her to grow old, uh, and to hold her uh, in my arms forever and ever. But I can't do this. I don't have that power. I cannot meet Willa's every need. I cannot fix this broken, hurting world. My daughter has the flu. I cannot save her from disease. I cannot wash away Willa's sins. I cannot raise her from the grave. I cannot do any of these things. But I have a father who can. And that's who Willa needs most. She doesn't need me so much as him. She needs a father who is awesome and almighty who forgives our sins and heals our sin-sick hearts, who redeems our life and crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, and whose love for us will not die and will not fail because it is everlasting and eternal. If that is true, and I really believe that it is, what that means is that God will never, ever let me go. Nothing, not even death, can hide me from his face or pry me from his hands. I will die and enter into the pit. But God is almighty. There's nothing he cannot do. My great hope is that the one who said to the darkness, let there be light, can also say to me, And you, and Willa, and our graves, honey, it's time to wake up. That's the dad Willa really needs. That's the dad you really need. And that's the dad I really need too. Now, I remember being a little kid on the playground, four or five years old, And I would get into these intense debates with my classmates. We would argue back and forth over whose dad was the strongest. I would say, my dad can beat up your dad. Snot-nosed kid would say, -uh." (laughs) nuh-uh. You know, my dad can beat up yours. It would be back and forth like this. You know, it would be like, well, my dad can pick up a fridge. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, my dad once got out of the car and pushed the truck to the side of the road. I would love it if in the midst of one of those debates that no doubt little Willow might find herself in in Edmonds preschool. I would love it if some four-year-old kid would walk up and be like, oh yeah, well, one, dad, one time uh, my dad made the Andromeda Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, talk about a mic drop. You know, it would be so amazing to hear a little kid connect the dots like that that, they have a, that their dad is that powerful. And he made the Andromeda Galaxy. I'd love for a little kid to connect those dots. And honestly, I would love for you to step out of this room tonight connecting those dots as well. You have a compassionate father who is almighty. Look, if God is your father, but he's not almighty, you might feel loved, but you probably won't feel safe. 
The world is a dangerous place, and your Father loves you, but if He's not Almighty, He can't save you. If God is Almighty, but He's not your Father, you might have a holy fear of Him, but not a holy love. He will seem powerful and awesome, but also distant and detached. But if God is both your Father and an Almighty King, well, now we're talking. Right? Your heart will be set aflame. Skis will be strapped to your feet. And you can go over the edge. And you can take flight. Let's pray.